This month's Under the Covers, an Action Coach podcast. Episode 7 is an interview with special guest James Sinclair, the millionaire clown. Hi everybody, welcome to today's podcast, Under the Cover, with Mr. James Sinclair, author of The Millionaire Clown, and we're, but we're not necessarily going to talk about that today, we're going to be talking about your new-ish book, um, The Experience Business, Why Price Focus Businesses Fail, and What Winners Do Instead. Um, so we're definitely speaking the same sort of language, we've been putting a lot of information about uh, there can only be one cheapest out there, and if you're competing on price, there's only ever going to be one winner. So, welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Sinclair. Hello, John. Thanks very much for having me. Um, no yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the experience business book. Um, yeah. I think most people pick it up and think it's a customer service book. Yeah. You've been in business for a long time. You started early, right? Um, so talk to us about when you got the entrepreneur's book. What made you start a business instead of just doing what most people do and going working for someone else? Well, I think I've got entrepreneurial DNA, and uh, I started as a, you know doing kids' parties. Um, and really, that I sort of by accident had a margin-based business there. So I was turning a couple of hundred quid when you were 16, 17, 18. If your customers wanted you to stay for an extra 15 minutes, that's fine. Uh, if you wanted to give some stuff away, what I call customer cuddles back to the customer, that's fine. And then, then I went and built a business. I built a chain of indoor play centers where the margins are much smaller and then it's all on P&L. You've got to be strict. You've got to be hard on labor, um, hard on um, increasing average customer value all the time. Well, you need to do these things in all businesses, but you have to work so much harder and you need so much more scale and that's the thing. Much, much more scale to make some money, um, and and that's why I tell people, you know, we, we have a boutique or a lifestyle business or a big business, um, and running a medium-sized business is really tough. But if you run a medium-sized, experience-based business where there's margin, you have got a chance that you can build something quite decent. We're both speaking from the same angle. Obviously, you focus uh, with businesses helping them increase their margin and things like that. And do your, your your public talks? From our perspective, we coach businesses. What are some of the things that you see from the small to medium sized enterprise? The things that really let them down? Well, some people have chosen businesses that really only make money at scale. So, let's you know, classic example is logistics. You know, if you want to move one box from Brighton up to Birmingham, um, you will buy that on price. I mean, you might choose someone and pay a few pence extra, but that is that is a classic price-based business. So then you need huge turnover to make some money. And you look at, you know, companies that do haulage and stuff, they'll turn 100 million, yep. that sort of thing. Um, and you look at Tesco's, you know, they're, they're making 1.4 to 2 to 3% if it gets really good. When you look at, when you're working on those slivers of margins, it works when you're turning billions of pounds, but it doesn't work when you're turning 2, 3, 4, 5 million, 2 million, 3 million, you know. Um, and, and I think it's really, really important that only half a percent of businesses in the United Kingdom get past 10 million in sales. Yep. 70% of businesses in the UK don't pay VAT. So when you really look at it, um, you know, big businesses are in the very, very tiny minority if you look at the, the whole base of UK businesses. And I just get, I feel sorry for people when they say, well, I'm going to start a haulage company. And you have really got to be a unicorn, really, to make that work. Because 
you know, you will sacrifice yourself. You'll eat last. Uh, your business will just uh, eat as the cash as fast as it comes in. And that's because you're working on a sliver of a margin and you're in a very price competitive business. You know, buying ice cubes, no one wants to buy expensive ice cubes, so therefore you've got to sell a lot of ice cubes to make some money. And I think uh, I, I got into that when we done bouncy castles, and we tried to make a difference by putting entertainment onto it. And so now I just don't do any. If it hasn't got margin, I just don't want to get involved in it. So there will be people that are listening to this that think they've got the entrepreneur's bug and they want to go and do something for themselves. You say focus with things that have got high margin or a good markup. What are some of the ideas that, uh, what you think would be good businesses to start? So, so basically, when you look in a dictionary, you look up entrepreneur. If you look up that word, it's a person or a, or a person. Yeah, it is going to be a person <laughs> that seeks opportunity. If you look up investor or businessman, they seek profit. So we've coined this phrase when I do talks and stuff, and I call it the investorpreneur. So we're seeking profitable opportunities. And that is what um, sets, sets people apart because you can put so much work and effort into something that doesn't work as much as something does work. You know, and I want people to go for the easy, difficult option rather than the difficult, difficult option. I'm not saying business is easy. I'm saying it can be easy, difficult. Um, and if you swing to that side of the pendulum, you've got more chance of getting through. So there will be some that I would be looking at the business. So is it highly capital intensive? Um, is it easy to find staff for the business? Because you know, if you was going to start a, you know, a rocket science laboratory, you know, finding staff to build that business would be difficult. So I'd always be looking. Can you do that? Also, what I like to look for is how can I make the business higher barrier to entry? What most yeah. people do is go for the low barrier to entry, but when you go low barrier to entry, so does everyone else. So we're trying to look for things that make us higher barrier to entry. The reason I love childcare, John, you know, because we've got chain of day nurseries, and there's one word that puts people off investing in childcare. It's what it is, John. You tell me, James. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the regulation around the business it stops everyone wanting to get involved so that makes it a bit of a higher barrier to entry what you'll find though john that when you've got a regulated business the margin is always higher so yeah. so this barristers uh, accountants you know those surgeons consultants you know those things because there's a regulation around them uh, there's a higher barrier to entry and therefore naturally more margin and i would start looking for those things um, and also when you've got things where you really have a genuine usp um and that could be somewhere like Disney world you know you've got a genuine usp backed on the back of their content marketing and uh, actually content marketing now now, content marketing allows you to have margin and it allows you to actually do content marketing. If we look at the Disney company, for example, they are content marketers, but started out in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You know, we'll make Snow White, we'll sell yep. the toys, people buy the toys, and yada, 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 then eventually go to Disney World. Um, the, the problem was, even just 10 years ago, actually making content and having the platforms for that content to go on was near on impossible. Um, you know, you may be able to get some books out there, but you certainly, you were very lucky if you got a show on BBC One or CNN or one of the other things. Now, if you're prepared to put the effort in, you can do content marketing. However, it still takes two, three years, I think, before yeah. you start using the rewards you make, and that's one that's good for you. But once you've got a personal brand or a company brand, that allows you to have margin as well. Really like that. So there's a couple of really good gems there. So don't just focus on the thing that you do. 
focus on making money from the thing that you do. So that, uh, what did you call it? In- investorpreneur or something, what was it? So, yeah, I mean, it's really important, this, John. Oh, so wow. basically, most entrepreneurs, if they're very entrepreneurial DNA, and it's a, a, if you do a Myers-Briggs test, you know, yeah. you, you, you answer the questions, you'll know if you come out as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You're an opportunity seeker. That's just what you are. Uh, but what you've got to do is try and train your brain to be a bit more of an investor. And that's why I call it investorpreneur, because an investment and an entrepreneur thinks very, very differently. Now, they might have huge similarities, but they think very differently. And if you can think a little bit more like an investor, what the way I teach this really is anyone that buys property, there's lots of entrepreneurs that have got a property portfolio on the side, John. You, you, you see it yeah. all the time. Um, but when they go and buy a property, they always have a set of criteria for that property that they're going to buy. You know, it's going to be in the right location. Does it rent well? Um, is there a chance for capital growth? Um, is the yield there? Is it tax efficient? All these things. And then when it comes to business, you know, someone says, for example, the, the big craze lately is, hey, have you heard about cryptocurrencies? Oh my God, you can make so much money from that. You've got genuinely successful business people that have diddly squat clue about cryptocurrencies and they're going to put five and ten thousand pounds into it. And I'm like, if you really want to do that stuff, then you've got to go and read 20 books about the thing, go to 10 seminars about the thing, and knowledge up like you would do in your own business. And, and because it's in your DNA, um, and so when you create that set of criteria, and it's, I think it's on page 53 or, of that book, I wrote down some of my rules for business. So when an opportunity gets magnetised towards me, and that's the bloody problem, right? This is the thing, John. If you're entrepreneurially driven, it's not just you. Everyone's bloody dishing you up opportunities all the time. They're like saying, hey, James, you're a go-getter. What about this one? What about this one? Yesterday, someone, and they were just saying, would you like to buy my farm part? And you have to put no money down. And we were just having a chat about it. He's framed that conversation. This is practically me having a theme park, another bloody one. And I haven't rang him up and asked, but he knows that he's watched my videos, he's seen my content, he's seen me talk, he knows what I'm like. And yeah, more opportunities, more opportunities. And that is why you're going to build a margin based business. You've got to learn to say no more than you say yes to. I love that. Just because there's an opportunity doesn't necessarily mean you can make money from it either. No. Um, okay, so let's go on to the book then. James, tell us a little bit more about the book. More, tell, tell me why you wrote this at this time. Well, actually, the book changed. I wanted to write... So I write books really for my team to understand, you know, who's yep. the big one this sort of thing. Like the Catholic Church do with the Holy Bible, you know, oh, there's the set of culture here. This is, this yep. is where this comes from. Muslims have the Quran. And I just, you know, you look at religion and there's so many... Um, similarities to businesses where religions create culture you know and people really buy into that culture as we all know really buy into it and i think that's what businesses have got to do and you've got to have published works videos out there especially if you're employing a chunk of people like i do different geographical patch i've got people in southampton up to cambridge into oxford down to london all over the show so it's not practical now for me to get around uh, so I've, I've really got into content marketing i wanted to write so the first book the millionaire came was really for my senior team but i wanted to write a book that that my team understood, right, now, this is the experience I wanted to do, so I write a customer service book. Yeah. And then as I wrote, I, I realised that it's so important that if you want to deliver customer service consistently, you need marketing, and that's how it came about. So the last part of the book is customer service top tips, um, and there's bits in and out of it, but it's actually building your business so that it can be a great customer service business consistently. Because what I've discovered was 
There's lots of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people that, you know, they'll start uh, a cafe or um, a small coffee shop. And the reason the service is so fantastic is because they don't pay themselves what they should be paid. And they're basically running as a charity for their customers. Um, and they work, you know, 90-hour weeks and all these things. Um, and, uh, and, and because they're taking a huge discount in their salary and not paying themselves for years and years, which happens all the time, that's how the business works. Then they get fed up of it, ultimately, and they want to employ someone, and they go, well, we haven't got the cash to do this. And their customers have been trained that this is really cheap, but I'm getting a Disney service for a really cheap price because it's owner-managed. Yeah. It's and... And, you know, it's an action coach philosophy. You know, we want to be building the business to sell even if we don't want to, don't we? And, that, and, that, and if you're so key man in this business and you're subsidising it by not taking the money that you deserve out of it, really, you've built yourself a job and you're better off going work with someone else and actually having some holidays and no stress. So for those of you that, um, that are listening to the podcast or watching some of the snippets that we've posted out on LinkedIn, Instagram and all the other social feeds, a great Christmas present to buy somebody. One, if you're thinking about starting a business for some good business ideas and how you can focus more of a business than a job, but also if you know someone. Say that again, James? It's on Audible as well. We've got that. Audible as well. So there's no excuse, right? No, yeah. I mean, I think there's no excuses for business owners to learn. I mean, what, you know, the next generation coming in as well. I mean, you think a generation ago, they didn't have YouTube, they... They, they didn't even have reviews to know if those buying the right books yeah. to read. So much easier to get educated now about business than ever before. Yeah. Um, all right, good. So a couple of things that I ask everybody that comes onto the podcast. Go for Number it. one, take yourself back, uh, let's say 10 years. Yeah. What bit of advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I would have implemented residual income faster into the business. Uh, so, you know, like childcare is a residual income business. And um, what, what I don't like is, you know, people trying to scam people with saying, you know, yeah. make money while you sleep. I, I want people to choose a really good residual income business like insurance, broking, accounting. They're, they're, you know, they're, yeah, because the majority of your businesses when you first started was new sales each month needed. New sales, new sales, new sales. Zero each month. Yeah, like selling cars. You start from, you've got to find a new person to buy a car. And, and don't get me wrong, those businesses work and they've been around for decades, but I would just choose not to be in that camp. Um, so I've started a membership business uh, in you know where you can join us on direct debit to go to any of our venues. Um, for those that don't know, we own play centres, farm parks, sort of theme park. So, you know, it's £65 to be an annual member. We've separated that by 12. And what we found out is we're now getting regular chunks of cash coming in on the 1st and the 15th of each month and we don't have to remind people to renew. You know, it's just a smart, and I wish I'd have thought of that stuff. And I was in love with that because I started buying property when I was 18, 19, 20, like because it's a residual income business. So I would have just, you know, I would have been residual income one and thought about that much more. I think because residual income, if you can get that into business, you've got a real stress buster. Well, for me, I, I talk about this a lot. There's residual income in every business. You know, most people will say, oh, I'm a joiner, how can I get residual income? If you really think about it, what you could do, this residual income in every single business that you do. And getting that started now, rather than in 10 years' time, is so, so important. So that was a really good idea that we, what you did, 65 quid annual pass, come to any of the venues that we've got, and you pay it direct debit, and it's that small, people don't even think about it. 
Yeah, well, John, we, we started four months ago and we generally called a million pounds worth of income. I mean, it's just a show. So every month, you know, circa 20 grand coming into the bank, you know, um, which is small in our, you know, we turn a million. However, though, that's a big win-win, isn't it? It's a win for you, but it's also a win for all your customers as well, which is the key to keeping residual income. And the other big thing, sort of part two of that question, you know, you, you need to build businesses that someone wants to buy. And if the business, you know, you can have a profit. I, I, I spoke about this at a conference yesterday. For example, you've got a profitable restaurant, turns a million quid, makes a quarter of a million quid. You've got a insurance brokerage, turns a million quid, makes a quarter of a million quid. So on the face of it, the numbers are exactly the same. Yeah. The insurance brokerage business will not be as key man run as that restaurant. There will be a person in there working all the hours God sends to make that work. Um, and so... Who, what would what would be more appetising to an investor to buy the business when you want to retire or do anything? Would be the insurance brokerage. Um, and I realised I had a big leisure business that no one wanted to buy. So that's why when I put day nurseries in, it seems much more attractive if we ever wanted to exit one day. People don't yeah, think very, good, very good margin to sell day nurseries on as well. Yeah, yeah, you get very good multiple. There's a list of uh, a real long list of people that want to buy those types of businesses. All right, good. Uh, two more questions for you, if you're ready for them. Yep, go for it. One, what's the single best piece of advice that you've ever been given about business? Now, that could have come from anybody. It could have come from a family member. It could have come from a member of staff. It could have come from a serial entrepreneur at all. But what's the single best piece of advice that you've been given about business? I suppose um, there's a couple of books, really. Um, well, the, the book, Richard Branson, Losing My Virginity, is such a great book. Not I mean, The second one's good, but you know, when, when someone's made it, it's, it's just not as fun to read, you know. Yeah. Um, and the first book, Richard, when I read that at 15, 16, gave me permission that if you're not good at something, employ someone that's better than you at it. And, you know, I will see tons and tons of entrepreneurs and they hold on to administration and organisation and they're not very good at it. Um, and then they employ someone to do the sales and marketing, which they excel at. You know, that's how they got the business from zero to whatever amount of sales. Um, so reading that book, he really, you know, I never met him, but he gave me permission really to say, if you're not good at something, I just employed someone that is good at it. And yep. I made my first hire when I was 17, you know, and that was someone coming in doing administration for me 12 hours a week. Next person, I left home early. Uh, I've got a cleaner, so I didn't have to do washing and ironing, so I could be doing the sales and marketing. So um, really, that I stay doing high-value tasks rather than low-value tasks. And I just see so many business owners doing low-value stuff, um, but they, they feel like they have to do the bookkeeping. That's a classic one. They feel like they have to do the books. Um, we, had, um, we had Brad Sugars on a couple of weeks ago. That's one of the first things he speaks about. What is your hourly wage? So how much are you worth an hour? So let's even say it's 30 quid. Anything underneath that is costing you money. So if you find yourself doing administration, it's going to cost you 10 quid an hour to hire somebody in to do that. Every hour that you do it, it costs you your 30 because you're not doing that, plus another 30. But you yeah. can just get somebody to do it for a time. Yeah. yeah. The different way of saying it, but yeah. Um, I, 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 big shout out to Brad, really. Um, I read Billionaire Clown, uh, sorry, Billionaire in Training. A little, little bit of a plug there, that's another book of James's called The Millionaire Clown. No, I'm going to tell him that he called him The Billionaire Clown, though. <laughs> I, I, um, I read that book when I was, um, uh, when I was 
probably about 21. And I'd also read Theo Pathetis's book because um, he was big on Dragon's Den. And both of them yeah. really taught me that um, you can go and buy failing businesses and turn them around. And you know, thanks to those two books. Perfect. Uh, and the last question. Yep. For the people that are watching this, so you've got you've got two different types of people. You've got people that are running their own businesses successfully and, and unsuccessfully, or, or successfully and not so successful. And the other people are the people that feel as though they can, they've got an idea that they want to go out there, so they've got this entrepreneurial bug, but they, they're just sat on the edge, not necessarily just there yet. Uh, what piece of advice would you give them about how to be great in business? Oh, definitely. So if you've got some base level skill in the thing that you want to do, um, I'm not a big fan of people doing their dream, first of all. Sorry to say. So, you know, Richard Branson didn't start with space tourism. He started selling records out of the phone booth and built up the knowledge base. You know, Elon Musk isn't building a colony on Mars first. He's built PayPal first. Step process, um, and I do think people should do some easy, difficult stuff and learn the mechanics of business, and then surround yourself by um, really good people um, and find yourself some mentors. It doesn't have to be one mentor. Um, and I think that's a really smart thing to do. And you know, immerse yourself in books and YouTube. There's some great stuff now that can just transform you. Yeah, ultimately you've got to you've got to get money to to build the dream. You can't just do the dream. You need the money to build the dream. Doing it, you know, that just gets one. Oh, I mean, all of it. When I go to a business show, I go, oh, I want to get my million pound funding for my app. You know, and I'm like, yeah. oh, a million quid. <laughs> you know, learn programming first of all. Do some self-employed work building programs. Absolutely. You can build your base on it. Like, oh, right. Because you know, uh, and when I turn around, say Richard Branson. And Elon Musk are not doing the space stuff first. They built proper brick and mortar or proper software, easier businesses. They've sold them. They've made a chunk of cash, and now they're doing their dreams. And, and the second bit that you mentioned about getting people is so important. You know, you look at successful businesses. They and it, look if you look at taking people on, you can't say it's not a risk because it is a risk. You know, it's a ch- big chunk of profit for a small business to take someone on, yeah. but they take people on early. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't. There's and loads I, of people that are sat there right now that know they need somebody in the office to do X, Y, and Z, but they're just not doing it and still doing everything. Yeah, but if you're doing that, you're, you're just building a job rather than a business. And, yeah. You know, no one wants to buy a job. Uh, and I tell this to people all the time, you know, do you, you, you've got to build something that someone wants to buy. And, and there are businesses that no one wants to buy, even if you've got loads of employees. But you, you want to be selling... Uh, a business and, and the first stage of turning it into a business rather than a job is building a team. Now you see big, massive tech companies getting bought that make zero cash, but the IP of the knowledge of the team is the valuation. <coughs> well, there we go. Some real uh, pills of wisdom there, James. Uh, no doubt lots of those will be found in the book, The Experienced Business. If you've not got it, make sure that you do buy it. Um, so, some really great things just on YouTube as well for free. You know, you can just type James Sinclair on YouTube. We've got 300 edited videos. Um, where we, I do, I do a video a day, John. So, look, at, look at you, James. <laughs> um, look, we'll make sure that we put a, put a link on there on, on the podcast and everything else on how to follow you on the YouTube and, and, and all the other media channels as well. But no, you, you've really given us some good content there for our readership. So just the investor for thing I absolutely love. 
Don't just really? focus on the thing that you're great at. Focus on making money from that first. Yeah. Um, you know, focus on entering um, difficult businesses to entry as opposed to easy businesses to entry. So many people go, everybody needs a joiner, but there's 10,000 joiners in a two-mile radius of me. Now, how can I potentially go a little bit higher and do something a little bit different? Really, really cool stuff. So thank you once again, Mr. James Sinclair. Thank you very much. Bye. Hey team, thanks for listening to this month's podcast. Hopefully you found it as informative and as fun as I did doing it. Damien Keyes is up next month, who just so happens to be on the Business Excellence Forum lineup of speakers. For those of you that follow me on social media, you will have seen recently that I'm gifting 25 tickets away. So if you haven't applied, make sure you do. The draw will be happening on the 1st of March, so act quick. See you on the other side.